Hi everyone, and welcome to this month's Mercia Auditing and Accounting podcast. My name's Lee Eaglin, and this month we're going to be taking a look at the proposed changes to UK GAAP. So, back in December, we got an early Christmas present from the FRC with FRED82, the draft amendments to FRS102. And it does also include some other draft amendments to the other FRS100 series as, as well. Now, before we dig into that detail, I just thought it's worthwhile that we have a very quick history lesson just to consider how UK Gap has evolved over the past few years. So if we cast our minds back to 2015, that's when we saw the birth of new UK Gap as it currently stands. And it's safe to say that that standard, as it was then, had its roots in IFRS for SMEs. And that's just something important to keep in the back of our minds as we look at the, the new proposed amendments that we're seeing today. Um, and just to compare and contrast with with how the FRC has still kept to that principle in some areas, but maybe diverged from that in some other areas as well. If we then fast forward through to 2019, we then saw the first round of, I'd say, the more significant amendments to UK GAP with the triennial review process. Now, at the time uh, that UK GAP came to life, I think it was that triennial review process that was the intent, i.e. a fairly sort of routine, consistent set of updates to amending UK GAAP. Having reflected on that though, I think on balance, the, the revised approach has been taken as a bit more sensible where we've now moved to a periodic review process, i.e. a bit less formality around the exact timeline that changes to standards will be brought about, but that will potentially allow um, preparers to give more balanced feedback in terms of how the standards are working for them, and then allow more meaningful changes to the standards to develop over time. Now, when the move to this periodic review process uh, was originally tabled, it was suggested that new UK GAP would be effective for periods commencing on or after 1 January 2024. That was the initial expectation. However, the FRC then Push, push that back to then manage that messaging to be it would not be before the 1st of January 2025. The reasons for that, bear in mind we've been dealing with the COVID pandemic over the past few years, so that probably impacted that timetable and not wanting to do too much while businesses were, were feeling the pain uh, from other pressures. But then also, I think from what I said earlier as well, the FRC were probably quite keen to get a view on what's happening with amendments to IFRS for SMEs. So interestingly, back in September 2022, an exposure draft for that standard was issued. That then probably allowed the FRC to get a steer from what they can see in that standard. Think about how that has been more closely aligned to the full FAP IFRS standards. And then with that in mind, the exposure draft that we've now got for UK GAP, that has an initial proposed date from the 1st of January 2025. Now, clearly that's a proposal in the exposure draft. There is still potential that that may change depending what comes out of the consultation process. So let's dive in and have a look at the changes in a bit more detail. So as I mentioned at the, the start, the, the exposure draft itself is headed um, as amendments to, to FRS 102, but there are amendments to the other um, standards in the FRS 100 series as well. So we will also have a quick look at a change to FRS 105 today as well. The analysis that FRC has prepared suggests that somewhere in the region of 3.2 million entities preparing financial statements will be impacted, so i.e. they prepare um, financial statements under either FRS 102 or FRS 105, and they then estimate that's going to impact around 175,000 accountants, i.e. those of us that are helping our clients prepare um, their financial statements. 
So I think given the scope of those changes, the number of entities it's going to impact and the nature of the changes, which we'll dig into in a second, it's safe to say that should the proposed amendments go through as they stand, it's going to impact probably the full A to Z of clients in your in your spectrum. So it doesn't matter if they're an asparagus former or a zookeeper, there's probably some proposed changes here that will be relevant to all of your client base. Let's have a look then at a change that impacts both FRS 102 and FRS 105. So the area that's going to impact both of those standards is revenue. So we now have a revised revenue standard, which has been expanded to be revenue from contracts with customers. Now, in short, that is quite a, a now as a close alignment to IFRS 15, there are some simplifications. Again, they are broadly consistent with what we see in the exposure draft for IFRS for SMEs. But in essence, un under both FRS 102 and FRS 105 is sort of the, the key bits of UK gap we're looking at today. We're going to have, or the proposals, we're going to have a five-step model for revenue recognition. So what are those five steps? Step one is going to be identify the contract. Step two is going to be identify the promises in that contract. And again, whilst not something we're going to dig into too much detail today, but I think promises has quite a broad spectrum of meaning. I'd say for the purpose of looking at this standard relatively simply, that's have we promised or has your clients promised to deliver a good or a service um, to their customers? But clearly the devil is in the detail of that definition. So as we get closer to the amendments, seeing the light of day, that's probably something to think about in a bit more detail. But for today, we're thinking about, okay, what distinct promises have your clients made to their customers? Step three, then we need to determine the transaction price. So I, what is um, hopefully the, the revenue that we're going to be receiving? Step four is then we then need to allocate that transaction price to those distinct promises that we identified in step two. And then the final step, step five, is going to be recognizing revenue as those promises are satisfied. And then in simple terms, there's going to be two options for that. It's going to be point in time recognition, so i.e. the promise has been fully delivered at a point in time that will trigger the revenue recognition then or the promise is satisfied over time, and therefore you clients will recognize revenue over time. Clearly as well, there are some enhanced disclosure requirements, in particular uh, for those preparing under FRS 102, which I'm not gonna dig into in, in too much detail today, but I think just naturally worthwhile having those in the back of your mind. Now, my initial take on this, whilst, as I said, the devil will be in the detail for your client's individual contracts, I think it is just worth comparing and contrasting where we currently are at with, with UK Gap, where the principles in there currently do drive somewhat of a unbundling of revenue and that allocation of revenue to those unbundled elements, and then the revenue being on those, the revenue on those, sorry, being recognized respectively at the appropriate um point in time or over time. So clearly there will be some changes in this standard that impact contracts in different ways, but quite the extent of, of change, I think, will, will remain to be seen. For some clients, for some contracts, the changes will be relatively light touch here. For other clients with other types of contracts with more complexity, the changes could be more meaningful. So definitely something to start thinking about early with your clients. Uh, again, while still we're only in a draft form and the proposed effective date is, what, somewhat two years away, I think it may be worth working through the implications that may be there for some of your clients. Next up then, let's have a look at a change that impacts FRS 102 only. And this is a change to the leasing standard. 
So here, the proposal is that we're going to be aligned much closer to IFRS 16. So that means that for pretty much all leases that, that a lessee is involved with, then that is going to bring that onto their balance sheet. So what does that mean? It means we're going to have a right of use asset and a corresponding lease liability. And effectively, the, the whole raft of operating leases we potentially see today will be no more. Now, there are some exemptions. So there is a low value and, and a short term exemption. Whilst there is some guidance in the exposure draft around those, for my opinion, what is probably lacking, particularly if I compare it to IFRS 16, is an absolute monetary value to help determine what we mean or what, what the standard means by low value. I said there is guidance there to, to give you a steer, but it, it does leave it more to the judgment of, of sort of the preparer to, to determine what they would see as low value. Um, so that may be something of interest as, as the FRC is receiving feedback, um, whether they are asked um, for more guidance in terms of what is an absolute definition of low value and do they want to try and quantify that. As I said, nothing currently drafted um, for that in the standard, um, but potentially as you guys have a read through, maybe want to um, form your, your own response to the um, consultation that's open. That may be something that you, you want to seek a little bit more guidance from the FRC on. Now, crucially, one point I just want to mention here as well is that this proposed amendment to FRS 102 is a deviation from IFRS for SMEs or certainly the exposure draft of that latest standard where under that standard for, for international preparers that are small, medium entities, there they have retained the current operating finance lease model that we see in UK GAP today. Now, clearly, there are, there are pros and cons to, to both approaches. Uh, I'm going to sit on the fence somewhat, but I think the, the big pro to, to moving towards a, an on-balance sheet approach that we see with the amendment to, to FRS 102 is it should give much greater consistency over reporting. It will reduce the ambiguity as to what types of leases should or shouldn't come onto balance sheet. But clearly, the, the big uh, downside to that standard is certainly for a, for a first-time implementation, it's going to be a huge effort for, for preparers and probably you accountants helping your clients to, to churn through all of their lease agreements and calculate what are the, account, the accounting implications for bringing those onto balance sheet and then for any new lease that they enter into subsequently then sort of working through that process as leases continue to evolve. So I said pros and cons there. Um, I'm not going to sort of deviate from the fence as to um, whether I think it is a good or a bad thing in totality. I can definitely see sort of both sides of the picture. And again, definitely something for you to, to think through with your clients. And again, maybe something that you guys want to comment on should you uh, choose to uh, add a response to the consultation that is currently open. We have a quick look then at other changes that are in the pipeline. So with Brexit, this now gives us in the UK a bit more flexibility regarding um, the requirements for small company disclosures. So what the FRC are proposing is where they previously had the encouraged disclosures in section 1A, these are now proposed to become mandatory. So there will be some extra mandatory disclosures for small um uh, businesses around things like dividends, uh, etc. So do take a look at those. And again, probably we we've always recommended them as best practice disclosures anyway. But again, if the amendments go through as proposed, then they will become mandatory. 
Other changes, just to mention as well, in both FRS 102 and FRS 105, there is a revised section two that aligns to the IASB's conceptual framework that was published back in 2018. In FRS 102, there is a new section 2A, and that replaces the current appendix to section two, and that gives some guidance on fair value measurement and is broadly aligned to what we see in IFRS 13. And then the final uh, tweak I'll, I'll just mention is a removal of the ability to apply IS39 as an option going forwards. However, if your clients have already elected to apply IS39, they can continue to do so. It's just after, um, well, as the proposal stands, after the, the revised standard is effective, clients won't be able to apply IS39 as an accounting policy choice after that date. They can retain it, but they can't apply it as a new option going forwards. Final thing in terms of an area that hasn't changed, and I think it's quite crucial to, to touch on, is there was some talk around the expected credit losses model that we see in IFRS 9 potentially weaving its way into UK GAAP. Now, as it stands, there are no proposals to, to amend that. So we're still going to be having more of the incurred losses model that we, we currently see in UK GAAP. However, the FRC have made it clear that they may be reconsidering that as IFRS for SMEs gets finalised. Just for, for information, in that in that proposed standard, that, that exposure draft that's been issued there, IFRS for SMEs does propose to bring in the expected credit losses model in some instances, but not all, and crucially, doesn't bring it in for things like bad debt provisions. But it will be interesting to see how the consultation to that IFRS for SME standard evolves and how they look to finalise that standard, and then quite if the FRC uh, will, will stick with their current conclusion or if they'll maybe make some, some further amendments based upon the responses they see to that consultation and also responses to, to the consultation on FRED 82 itself. So maybe watch this space. So it stands currently, no change for expected credit losses model, but not an absolute guarantee that that will remain the case. So, so do keep an ear to the ground on that. So next steps then. Worthwhile saying that the consultation on FRED 82 is open until the 30th of April 2023. So certainly at the point in time I'm recording this, you've got just over two months to have a look at that new standard, consider what implications are going to be for your clients, and then submit a response if you if you'd like to. Certainly from, from my perspective, I would actively encourage all listeners to submit a response. I think the more feedback that the FRC can have to, to, to work with, it's going to allow them to make the most informed and balanced decision. So be that you radically agree with, with the proposals that they've made, again, tell them that will give them weight to stick with their conclusions as they've they've currently got them. Similarly, though, if you radically disagree, again, tell them, be clear with your reasons why and your rationale. And again, it's not to say that it's a guarantee that it, that they will change, but without that feedback, they probably don't have enough ammunition to respond. So, so please, please um, think about what the implications are for your client base. And I would actively encourage you all to, to respond to that consultation. If helpful, uh, we've got a blog on our website which recaps the points that I've covered in somewhat today. If you want a bit of a quick reference guide, uh, maybe you can share that with your clients as something for them to have a quick read over so they can see an overview um, of what the implications are. 
And more generally, we're going to be looking at these proposed amendments in more detail in our CPD courses. So in particular, in our accountancy and audit and trustee accountancy updates, we're going to be looking at these proposed changes in more detail than I've covered today. So have a look on our website, have a look in our brochure for instances of either face-to-face courses, Mercy Life courses, or our on-demand courses that are running either at a location or at a time that are convenient for you. That's all from me then this month. I hope you found that helpful and I look forward to uh, either seeing you on a face-to-face course or a file review soon or speaking to you on one of our podcasts later in the year. Do take care. Thank you for listening to the Mercia podcast. For more information on this topic, please visit mercia-group.com.